Good morning, and welcome to the continuing sermon series of the Mechanics of the Gospel. Today we're going to be talking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now already, we've discussed the building blocks of the Gospel so far. There is one God by whom and for whom all things exist. We have separated ourselves from God by our sin. God has provided a solution to our sin in Jesus Christ. And today we'll be looking at Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave. And in the future, we'll be looking at we are saved by accepting Jesus' sacrifice and repenting of our sin. We are called to follow Jesus with our whole lives. And if we're saved, we will spend eternity with God. So that's the building blocks of the gospel that have been covered and will be covered going on in the future. Today, however, we're going to discuss the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As part of the mechanics of the gospel, the good news brings us information that is critical for us, not just for today, but for all eternity. And when we consider the things that are being presented to us as the gospel, we have to have a linchpin. We have to have the center point of this good news. And that's what we're talking about today, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that more important or differently important than any other part of the gospel? Paul explains that very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 22. Let's take a look at that. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least 
of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul is very specific here. He's very clear. It was the foundational message of the gospel that Jesus had died on the cross and then been resurrected from dead to live. The letter to the Corinthians was written many, many years after the initial gospel was preached. So, how do we know that what Paul's saying is true? We have a form of verification by a different author from a different book. Luke, who was a doctor, and traveled about making a comprehensive history of the initial gospel and of what happened after made an account in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, cover a portion of the very first time the gospel is preached on the day of Pentecost. 
And this is what it says. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So this is the first time that the gospel is being preached, and the message is solidly about the resurrection. Initially, we have to pay attention to what is being said. First, again, that Jesus died. He was killed by our sin. It happened on the cross. Now, if the story ended there, it would be actually kind of a common story where a good man died for a cause and that's the end. But that's not where it ends because the gospel accounts continue. Three days later, he comes back to life. And they preached that from the beginning. And they preached that constantly. That was a continuous part of the message from the very beginning to when John died. Now, the death is the first part. The resurrection is the different part. Lots of people have died. Lots of people all over the world, good, noble people who are trying to help other people, have died. But only Jesus has come back to life. Only Jesus died for our sins. Only Jesus, in coming back to life, offered this promise to us. The first fruits of the resurrection clearly implies that there will be more. And that's the promise to us. And that's why we have to pay attention to this. Because it's easy to understand somebody died for us. Somebody died. That happens, as I said, more than it should. But then a miracle occurs, and a man who is dead for three days, not on medical equipment, not hooked up to an IV, nobody had electrical paddles to shock his heart. He was in a tomb. And he'd been killed by Romans, 
And I just need to touch on that for a second, because you've got to understand, some people have said through the years, well, maybe he wasn't really dead. There is no record anywhere of anyone ever surviving a Roman crucifixion. They were very good at it. They were very complete. And in the end, the Roman soldier pushes a spear in through the side of Jesus to make sure he's dead. And they were satisfied he was dead. And so they bring him down. He's handed off to the Jews. He's put in a tomb. The rock is rolled in front. And then, later on, that night, thereabouts, the Jewish leaders go to Pilate and they say, listen, he claimed he was going to rise from the dead in three days. We want you to put guards on the tomb so that his followers can't sneak in and take the body and then say to everybody, oh, he's come back to life. So they did. They put Roman guards there who were very good at their job. That's very important. It's important because the body was gone. And when the disciples started preaching the resurrection, when the disciples started saying Jesus had risen from the dead, neither the Romans nor the Jewish leaders could open the tomb and say, look, there's his body, because it was gone. Well, what if something else happened? Again, the disciples saw him. He spent an extended period of time with them. He showed them, Thomas particularly. Poor Thomas, he takes a beating over this. But I don't think I'd be any better if somebody told me that some that I knew had just died, had come back to life. I think I would be kind of doubtful. And so Jesus shows Thomas the hole in his side where the spear went through. Let's him touch it, put his fingers into it. He shows them the holes on his hands. These are guys who lived with him for three years. They knew who he was. And again, an additional proof on this that's based on human behavior is that the apostles, the disciples, the followers of Jesus never stepped away from saying he was resurrected from the dead. They never stopped preaching that. Even though they were, they were arrested, they were beaten, they were tortured, they were killed one after the other. John being the only one who survives to die a natural death. None of them ever changed. 
their account of what happened. Well, perhaps, perhaps that's where, you know, we would stop and say, well, maybe there's nothing else to this, except that there are extra biblical accounts, accounts from outside the Bible about the effects of the resurrection, about the fact that the guys never changed their story. There are accounts written early on, as well as later, by people who had no vested interest in supporting this uh, regarding the death of Jesus and noting that he was dead, and then how the believers said he came back from the dead. Again, even though they were arrested, beaten, tortured, and executed, they never changed that. And it's not like they were making money off of it. Today, you might take that story online or on TV or in big magazines or, or however you want to do it and maybe make some money off something like that. But these guys didn't. Paul had to give up his career he had to change his name. He had to start making tents so that he could live and share this information. And that's the phrase, share this information. We're talking about the mechanics of the gospel. The gospel is the good news. It's meant to be shared. So I have to ask you a question. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he was dead? Put in a tomb, dead. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Do you believe that? I didn't at first. When I first heard about this, I, I thought the gospel was great. I thought, you know, the idea of forgiveness and, and caring for people and, and feeding people, I thought that was all great. But I wasn't sure about the resurrection until I looked into it. Until I read some of these sources, Josephus, Pliny the Elder. And the Bible. And I looked into the trustworthiness of the Bible and how it's never been disproven. Constantly supported through archaeology and history. Every time they dig up something new, it just reinforces what the Bible's saying. That it's true. As I realized that it was true, as I realized that it was worth believing, I realized that what I was being asked to believe in was a miracle. Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? If you do, share it. Because it happened for a reason. It happened for a purpose. 
we had a relationship with God and we screwed it up. We sinned. We chose to sin. We choose to sin. When that happened, we were separated from God. We face punishment. Through Jesus dying on the cross, our sin is paid for. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we're given a promise of eternal life and life with God in heaven. And we throw that phrase around and, and people toss around images of people with wings and halos and harps and clouds and none of that is discussed in the Bible. We just know we're going to be with God. If you believe that, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then share it. Share this information with people. If they don't want to hear it, they get to make a choice. If they don't want to believe it, they get to make a choice. The very same choice that I got. The very same choice that you got. Take a chance. Share it with somebody. It might be just what they needed to hear. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the proof of the promise that God has made to you and to me, that he will be with us forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this promise and thank you for the proof that you keep your promises. Pray for each one who is watching, that you would strengthen their faith, that you would guide them to research your word, to seek out the answers and the evidences so that their faith might be made stronger. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.